If you don't have that perspective and you own a business, shut your freaking doors now because there's better people along and you can go work for somebody else. But right now you're doing the people that work for you a disservice if you're not allowing them to shine. Hey, welcome back to All In With Rick Jordan. I'm your host, Rick Jordan. I'm pumped for today. I hope you're pumped for today. This is going to be a really rocking, amazing, business-focused episode. And I want to throw some things at you because I remember this last year. Should I just dive into this or should I like warm you up a little bit? I don't know. Let's, let's do this. How are you? I'm good. Are you good? Awesome. You're warmed up? Cool. Now we're going to dive into it. We're going to talk about fears today. I remember when I was speaking at the Harvard Club of Boston, this was my first time there, and there was something that I said in the middle of this thing, right? Because I was talking about this watch that I bought. It was the thinnest automatic movement in the world. It's a Bulgari Octo Finissimo, and it was a special edition, limited edition. I got number one of 15. Now, there were thousands of the regular ones produced, but I got number one of 15 because I bought it at the Fifth Avenue store the Fifth Avenue Bulgari Boutique in New York City. And it was the second time I went back there, but I remembered this and hesitating when he said, you want to get it? Because I was walking to this place, and this was right before I spoke in NASDAQ, actually. I was walking to the store. I had seen this watch about four months prior over New Year's Eve. This was about a year or two ago. And uh, I was walking there in April, because that's when I spoke at NASDAQ, and I'm like, you know what? If the watch is still there, I'm meant to get it. Sure enough, I walk in there, and there it is sitting in the case, and it's number one of 15. I couldn't believe it. And the guy goes, you know, this is the last one we have left. Now, remember, I said there were thousands produced in the world, but this number one of 15, it's very special, because the dials, I wish I was wearing it right now, man, but I got this other really cool piece on right now, but it's... uh number one of 15 that was in this display case, the very last limited edition that they had left. And the difference is that the originals, the mass-produced production version of this has black markers and a black 12 and a black 6 at the top and bottom of the dial. This one has steel blue markers. It's really cool. And it doesn't have the 12 and the 6. It's just regular markers, regular hashes on there. But it has a fifth 5th because it was the limited edition that was only sold when this watch was released the thinnest automatic movement in the world and it was only sold at the fifth avenue store the fifth avenue bulgari boutique in new york it was pretty cool so when i saw it the dude asked me he's like do you want it i said you know what give me a couple minutes i turn away and it was only a couple of seconds. I'm talking one and a half seconds. It was definitely less than two. And I turned back, I'm like, what do I need to think about? I'm getting it. But in that one and a half seconds, this entire like rush came over me. See, I've been talking a lot about this lately. I don't know why this has come up with some individuals that have come across my path. And I tell them where I came from and what where I was at 13 years ago when my twins were born. And I think I've told this probably on a couple episodes before. So this is the short, short version. When my twins were born, I was jobless, unemployed. I guess you could say that I'm still unemployed because I don't work for somebody else. I don't technically have a job. I have businesses. But at that point, I was laid off 
two weeks prior to my kids being born, Richard and Ariel, my twins. And in that moment, it's like, what do we do? It got to the point at sometimes during the first six months of their lives, during the first year really, where it's like, do I buy them formula or do I pay my mortgage? What kind of a choice is that? It's a non-choice. I have to be able to feed my kids and I have to be able to keep a roof over their heads. So what's the decision? So you, you delay the only one that you possibly can, which is the mortgage, or you start to delay other things like your electric bill. There were times, there were two times I remember to where I could not pay my electricity bill and the power was shut off on me and I did not have the money to pay that bill to get it turned back on until one to two days after. I never borrowed any money during these hard times. I made it work. I remember taking an extension cord and you can think of me what you want, but it was allowing my kids to survive literally because there was formula, there was breast milk in the refrigerator that we had to keep cold. And I would run an extension cord. It was a condo my wife and I were in. It was a condo that Jane and I were in. We put that extension cord out into the hall where there was common power to keep the refrigerator running overnight until the next day when I had the money to pay the electric payments and get the power turned back on. That's where I was 13 years ago. Now today, here I am, I, I just got an Aston Martin last year. It's a 2019 Vantage. It's an awesome, really rocking car. And there's amazing, cool things that are going on in life. You know, it's a, raising capital right now. Business is booming, expanding. There's still some challenges. There's always challenges. But when I went to purchase this watch in that one and a half seconds, it was like the feeling came back to me of 2007 when I couldn't buy things, when I couldn't pay my electric bill, when I had to delay my mortgage in order to buy my kid's formula. It was like an instant rush and I still get that. Even though I have no issue spending money to make things happen, this still comes up again and I want to tell you what this is. And it's something that always lingers around. It's fear. It's not fear of the unknown. It's not fear of what could happen to me. As an entrepreneur, I believe that all of us share the fear of being broke again. We never want to be back in that moment once we've lifted ourselves out of that pit. We'll have ups, we'll have downs, but because of the experience and the knowledge and the hard knocks that we've gained over the years, we figure out a way and we just know where we could come back from. If I lost everything right now, I know it wouldn't be an issue of not paying that electric payment again because... I know instantly how to make some quick cash now. At that point, I didn't. It's right when I was starting out. So if you're listening to this episode right now and you're saying, oh man, I'm, I'm right at that moment to where I just took this safety net. I burned the net. That's another awesome episode that you need to listen to. I burned the net. There is no backup plan. I can't go back. How am I going to buy food tomorrow? How am I going to pay my electric bill next week? How am I going to make my mortgage payment when it comes or my rent's coming due? How is that going to happen? This is for you because the fear of being broke again, this is good that you're going through this right now because the fear of being broke again will never, ever, ever go away. And that is a good thing. That's going to be fuel that keeps driving you and pushing you forward to achieve greater and greater levels because every single milestone that you hit is further away from that point and knowledge that you now have that you didn't have before in order to pick yourself back up even faster when you get knocked back down again because you will get knocked down. 
Crap's going to happen, and you're just going to keep getting hit and getting hit and getting hit. This is the life of, of an entrepreneur. Every single day you want to quit, but there's something that keeps driving you forward, and this is one of those, is the fear of being broke again. We're talking about fears today, and I'm going to give you some other fears, because now that i talked about what that initial fear is, because if you're experiencing, or, or you did experience it when you were first starting out in business, now you know what that is, because you don't ever want to go back to that place where you started for the first time. It's a difference, because I still say, even in my tech firm, Reach Out, Reach Out Technology, that... It feels like I'm a startup all the time because things keep changing and we keep growing. We keep growing year over year, 25% at least every single year. But I always feel like a startup because things keep changing. And I, I feel like I'm starting over again all the time. And that's okay. I've started other businesses, some of which are still active, some of which are not still active. But that very first one is special because that's what instills this fear in you of never being broke again. It's so powerful. Oh my gosh, it's so powerful. Now, I'm going to give you some of the other fears because now that I've been in this, I've been unemployed for 13 years now. That's the little joke, right? Because I've been working for myself. I've been having businesses now or independent consultancy when I first started out as contract or whatever. Now, there's other fears that come around. Now, I don't share some of these, but these are some that I've heard around different conferences I've been to, around events, around just networking, around having lunch with somebody the other day or coffee, whatever it is, other entrepreneurs. These are the top five that I've heard around town, so to speak, that I believe that can be in every single person's core being, at least every business owners. And I want to address these today. All right. This was actually even an article that I saw online and the link to that's going to be in the show notes because I want to talk about these. It struck something in me because I didn't share in all of these. At least it never came into my head. Some of them have come up time and time again for me and that's okay because they're going to. However, these are ones that I hear other people talking about. So we're going to nail into these today. The first one, number one, I, well, I guess this is really number two, but we're going to call it number one because I talked about the one that was me and that I believe that every entrepreneur has, which is the fear of being broke again. But this was one of the ones that was in this article that I want to talk about was their biggest, the biggest fear that any business owner has is going out of business. Now, I want to talk about this one real quick because I just went through this whole long train of thoughts with that fear of never being broke again, right? And the start, how the first start is the start. And moving forward from there, every other start over, do over kind of a thing is not really that first start because you have gained knowledge along the way. Here's the kicker to this is that, you know, 31% of business owners say that their biggest fear is going out of business. Now, I'm going to differentiate here real quick because I know a lot of business owners, but there's an even smaller subset of that group which are true entrepreneurs, the ones that can't imagine doing something else, that live for every single day when they want to get up because they want to, they want to give up because they want to overcome those problems, 
those issues and it's just something crazy some kind of a screw loose that might be in our head a little bit of insanity yeah because we just keep pushing forward pushing forward coming up with 8,000 new ideas a day 800 different squirrels as we talk about on this show here how my brain goes in these things it was funny last week squirrel this is actually a squirrel in itself squirrel. I, I was in uh, an event and they have these cool little they're, they're like talk boxes, right? But they're these cushy things. And when you're giving feedback or whether you're interacting with a speaker that's on stage, these are microphones, wireless mics that are in these boxes. And they can get tossed around because they're in these cushy little square-shaped, cube-shaped things, and you just toss them. So the dude, the producer who was there, threw this thing to me and I caught it. I'm like, I'm thinking in my head, why do you throw this to me? He goes, Rick, did you have something to say? I'm like, no, I didn't have anything to say. It's like, oh, because I thought you raised your hand or something like that. I'm like, you know, I might have shifted or something because I had this thought going on in my head. You know, it was just like a squirrel. He turns to everyone was like, you know, I, I, I saw Rick outside of the, of the banquet hall the other day, and he was just in the corner. You know, almost like staring into space. I'm like, dude, you okay? He's like, yeah, I'm just chasing a squirrel. That's me all the time, right? But, but that's an entrepreneur because we're always trying to th come up with new ways to solve problems or we're always trying to come up with bigger questions. That's who we are. This flip side, which is business owners, which is a larger group, are those who have their own business, but that really is, they're doing kind of like the same job right? That they would if they were working for somebody else. And this isn't a bad thing. It just is what it is. They want to make as much money as they can in the business that they're in right now, but they don't have this true drive to really have it maybe change the world, which is also not a bad thing, but they're providing jobs, which is awesome. I love creating jobs. I always say as, a, as an owner, I love payroll time. A lot of owners, which is stupid to me, this is ridiculous and I hate this because they'll say, oh, payroll's coming up. I got to pay my people. You know what? You should not be a business owner if you're dreading paying your people. You should not be a business owner if you're thinking, wow, my people are just an expense because you're providing a lifestyle for them. And if, yes, you pay them a fair wage, if you can give them over and beyond, that's cool. Pay them, pay them the fair wage, but you are giving them the ability to have a life, to put food on their tables. That's one of the awesome things about being a business owner or about being an entrepreneur and having one business, 10 businesses, whatever, is because you can have people work for you and you can improve the quality of their life. That's awesome. And if you don't think that is, close your freaking doors. That's the straight truth. If you don't like signing those paychecks, shut your doors because somebody else is around that likes to influence people. I'm just being straight with you because I love payroll. I love it when it, every single payday because I know that I am impacting their lives and I love commission checks to people that make sales for me because they hustled their butts off and they earned it and I gave them the opportunity to shine. That's awesome. That's why I do what I do. And if you don't get excited about that and you own a business, if you don't get excited about your people succeeding and your outside of that they're just making you better and making you money, don't get me wrong because I tell everybody in my company, everybody in all of my businesses that your number one job is to make me, Rick Jordan, more money. 
Why? Because I'm the steward of this and I will choose to either reinvest it or I will choose to take it out, whatever it is, because it's, they're my companies, but everybody on the team has a responsibility to make me more money and I will do the best thing I possibly can with it for myself. Yes, but also for everybody else that works for me, I will reinvest that and I do time and time and again. If you don't have that perspective and you own a business, shut your freaking doors now because there's better people along and you can go work for somebody else. But right now you're doing the people that work for you a disservice if you're not allowing them to shine. There's your straight truth. You can hate me for it. You can unsubscribe to this because of that. I don't care because we are around to serve others. That's whether you're working for somebody or you have people working for you. You are to serve those who are working for you. There. End of rant. Boom. So this 31% that say their biggest fear is going out of business, well, then why just start? Really? Why'd you open the doors? You might be better off working for somebody else and that's okay. I don't have a fear of going out of business. Now I have closed the doors of other businesses that failed. Yes, that's right. I've had other companies that I have closed the doors on because they have failed. Whether I didn't put enough into it or whether it just wasn't an idea that would work out, they have failed. If you're afraid of going out of business, you're afraid of failing, but more importantly, you're afraid of learning. Because when I closed these things, I learned what did not work, and I know not to repeat that, but I know how to shift gears for the next business that I open, and the next business that I open, and the next business that I open. And you know what? A good friend of mine, Kevin Harrington, he puts out all these products all the time, and geez, we were hanging out last week, and he was saying, you know, he's had like 450 different product failures amongst maybe 50 super successes I'm sure I got the numbers wrong, but the number was like 10x as far as the failures to successes. And that's what you have to look at. You have to admire the failures that will happen. You have to expect that at some point in time, your business might shut its doors because of whatever reason. Maybe the industry changes. Maybe something happens that's out of your control. That's okay because now you know how to put that in control for the next thing that you do. It's awesome. So get over that fear if you want to keep driving forward and welcome that. Of course, you might not want to, but it could be a strategic thing saying, hey, I'm trying this business over here. Don't be afraid to open it just because you think it could fail. Love it. Love it. Love it. Here's one that's real, right? This is the next fear, running out of cash. This is super legit. You know, I talk to CEOs and they have really two jobs and a lot of the big ones really see it this way. One, they're to be the best possible brand ambassador as anybody can be, period, end of story. The second job that they have is making sure the company never runs out of cash. When I met Robert Hershevec a few years back, he said that the biggest thing that kills businesses is running out of cash. When you're out of cash, you're dead, period. And I'm talking no more line of credit to pull from, no, no cash in the bank, no nothing, because then you're just dead. There's nothing you can do when you run out of cash. 
That also could be cash flow. Now, AR could be considered cash, accounts receivable, as long as you know those are coming in. But running out of cash will kill you. And I've looked at this too, and this is something right now in this moment that I'm also looking at too because I'm trying to manage my cash flow tightly. There's some big moves that I'm making, huge moves that I'm not going to talk about here, but just wait a couple months and you're going to hear about these. They're awesome. They're killer. But running out of cash right now because there's been so much reinvested back into the business right now that I'm trying to manage this tightly. That way, nothing happens and we don't run out of gas. That's like the fuel in your tank is the cash in order to drive your business forward. And that, that could be pulling out, you know, on credit cards or whatever it is because that's how it is. And I don't care about those people that say, you know, debt, business debt's bad. No, business is run off of debt. You need debt in order to build something huge. There's a lot of people that can tell you about that. I'm not getting into that, but running out of cash is a legit fear. That's something as a business owner, you have to make sure, or as a CEO, you have to make sure that you never do is run out of money. Your job is to make sure there is always cash flow around to support business operations and even more so to continue growing and continue building. Number three, this one I've heard a lot of, and there's ways to prevent this from happening, I know friends that this has happened to before, is employ an employee taking your customers. That's bad. If you have somebody that becomes rogue, that is working for you, that says, you know what, I think I can do this on my own. He's got a little of that Lucifer vibe in him that says, you know what, I can be just like the boss. And he goes out and quits and then starts hitting up all of your customers saying, hey, I'm done here. I think you should come with me. I'm starting this out myself. And you know what's kind of funny is that when I went off on my own as an independent dude years ago, I had a client of mine that I was serving for where I was at that said, you know what, if you ever go on your own, I'm going with you. This happens all the time. There's ways to prevent this. The biggest one is a non-compete. But I'm going to talk to you about this a little bit. I want you to think about this because this is something that I do and it's a little different, right? Because non-competes across lots of different states and jurisdictions might not be all that enforceable because there's distance things in place. And if they ever take you to court, these things get stricken down time and time and time again in the form of a non-compete because they seem too restrictive to earn a fair wage. So I'm going to give you a little tip for all the entrepreneurs and business owners out there. Instead of doing a non-compete, what you need to have really is a confidentiality and non-disclosure agreement. That is enforceable forever. And there's things you want to keep in there, like your client list, your phone numbers, your client phone numbers, your financials, everything that you need, that list being the biggest one, saying that you cannot share that information or use that information outside of your employment at my company ever. That is enforceable forever is that non-disclosure agreements and confidentiality agreements. It's so much better than a non-compete because now you're saying this information, not, not just your IP, not just your intellectual property, you know, the, the proprietary maybe products or blueprints or whatever it is you have in your organization, not those. I'm talking, well, though, yeah, those are good to include, but I'm talking about the things you need to run your organization like the people you sell to. 
That's what needs to be included in your non-disclosure and confidentiality agreements. That's huge. So instead of a non-compete, you need to have a non-disclosure agreement that includes all of these things. That is enforceable, whereas the non-compete could be stricken down because it could be considered by a court of law as too restrictive to allow that ex-employee of yours to earn a fair wage. Makes sense? You tracking with me? Awesome. I love it. I'm going to go to the next fear. Yeah, this next one is pretty crazy. And I'm saying that because it has to do with surprises, right? But it's unexpected bills. I'm sure we've all had those. They, they just hit you from nowhere. But here's the question, right? Why is that unexpected? Now, it could be, I'll give you an example, because there's certain things you can't predict, right? In, in my office space that I have right now, part of the triple net lease that we have, that's a term, it's an NNN, triple net, is that I am responsible for maintaining and also the repairs of the HVAC system. Now, here's something that's a little crazy too, right? Because landlords, even though I think that I have a really, really good one, when it came down to the point of saying, hey, this thing really needs to be replaced, because the building's like maybe 15 years old or something like that, and the furnaces are original. I remember last year, the heat just stopped working. And there was a component that could be exchanged, but the cost of exchanging that component was like 1500 bucks. However, the cost of replacing the whole thing was about six grand. Now, I went to the owner because I had two different HVAC companies come out and take a look at it and say, yeah, we can swap out this part. It's a Band-Aid. However, this is probably going to completely shut down because they're just in bad shape. They're just freaking 15 years old. Now, this is what I'm talking about as far as unexpected bills, right? Because I know now that these furnaces are just going to die on me in a little while. Now I had the unexpected part that they were just kind of dead, right? And they were on their last leg, so to speak. But the landlord's like, nope, they can be repaired, which means that they don't have to put on any cash and it's on me now. Now, ultimately they have the last thing, but I needed heat. I needed heat for my people that worked in the office. So I had to do it, just had to get it done. Now, when I go to renegotiate my lease to stay in here, this is what I'm saying. There's ways to try to avoid these things. So if you have something unexpected, now you know how to prevent it. In my technology company, my cybersecurity and managed services business, Reach Out Technology, we thrive on preventing things from happening in the first place. And there's processes and procedures that we have in place. For all of you MSP owners that listen to this, there's something that I do. It's a little bit of a secret sauce. There's something that I do every single month is I pull the top five, or my people do, this is part of their process, they pull the top five ticket types, meaning if it's hardware, software, line of business, Office 365, whatever it is, you know, if it's user education, that's even one of them sometimes, and they look at the top five every month, the one that caught the ones that cause the most trouble tickets across our entire client base and try to make a broad stroke to eliminate those from happening again. So if it's a hardware thing, this is something that we did several years ago, is we started seeing a lot of tickets that were just slow computer, slow computer, slow computer, slow computer. And now I knew that, well, we can make a, a quick shift and we started putting solid state drives, the ones that don't have any moving parts, the super fast drives in all of our clients' machines. And that became a standard. It made the machines more expensive, made the computers way more expensive because these were just being adopted 
This was like five or six years ago, and we were ahead of the curve. Reach Out was ahead of the curve because of that. But immediately, overnight, bam, all of those slow computer tickets just went away and never came up again. We don't get a single ticket still to this day because for a slow computer because that is our standard is a solid state drive now they're pretty much in everything that you buy which is cool and everyone's starting to see those too and there's other issues that happen but we keep going through because those top five continuously change that probably happens in your business too is that the things that are happening today are not going to be the things that happen a year from now however in the case of this hvac repair i know that these furnaces very soon are just going to call out they're gonna die dead can't function anymore now to prevent that because my landlord wouldn't replace those things I said oh you can do the band-aid because that means that we don't have to pay the replacement as I said the landlord has to cover completely replacement of the furnaces however maintenance and repairs are my responsibility my financial responsibility now I know when I go to renew my lease that's something that's going in there because I am preventing that unexpected bill by telling my landlord listen this is what came up you didn't want to replace it then if you want me to stay because I'm a good paying tenant this is something that needs replacements. You can prevent these things from happening. You will have the unexpected bills once, maybe twice, but you can always figure out a way to prevent that same thing from happening again. You might be able to take what you learn from that unexpected bill and apply it to three or four different things and possibly prevent those from happening too. This fear of unexpected bills, I'm gonna tell you this, get over it because it's really your responsibility to minimize those. They will come up plan for them to come up by just understanding that, hey, this is going to happen at some point, but when it does happen, I know that I'm going to figure out what to do to make it not happen again. That's how you move on and overcome that fear. And the last fear that I'm going to talk about today, this was number five, is not enough sales. What does that mean? Now, I've had individuals in my industry think, oh, you know, I'm struggling on sales. All I need is leads. All I need is more leads. If I had leads, I'd be good. I'd have sales because when I get in there, my closing ratio, this is key. When I get into a prospect, I close people 80% of the time and wrong. I'm sure you close 80% of the time right now because you're only closing one person every six months which means that over a period of two years, you can say that I close 80% of the time. If you have a close ratio of 80%, that means that you don't have enough leads. You don't have a good lead engine because you could your close ratio, now it varies by industry, yes, but really should not be over 35%, one out of three, and that's even high. I know in my industry, it's good to have a 20 to 25% ratio, 20 to 25% close ratio because that's how you know that you have enough leads coming in. You know predictably that every four or five clients or prospects in my industry that you will close one. That's when you have enough leads flowing in on a consistent basis. If your close ratio is higher than the average of your industry, I'm talking double, triple what your industry is, it's not you, you're not that great. I'm sure you can sell to the ones that you have, but those are probably warmer leads. They're not real, legit, cold prospects that you developed and nurtured yourself. It might be a referral or something else. If your close ratio is too high, you have too low of quantity of leads coming in. This is not enough sales fear. 
I'm telling you how to solve it right now is keep your lead engine going. Do what you need to do. And CEOs, entrepreneurs, this typically requires you. Now, you can't be the one if you want to scale to sell all the time because you have other things. Remember, we talked about those two things that every CEO has as their primary responsibility is being the best brand ambassador possible. And second, making sure that the company never runs out of cash. So if those are the top two, that means sales actually falls to the bottom. And when I say not run out of cash, I'm not talking about closing deals either because you can't scale unless you train other people how to sell for you, period. You can get people to the point to where those leads are coming in because if your close ratio, at least in my industry, is 20 to 25% and that's a good number, you sure as heck can train somebody else to have the same close ratio and sell it. That's what you need to do is bring up an army to sell for you so that you can go out, run the company and make sure it never runs out of cash. This is how you get over this fear of not enough sales is making sure you have enough leads coming in for the first point. And the second point is making sure that you can train others to sell for you. Fear resolved. Man, this was awesome. I'm going to give you one thing today because it's always, I, I might have mentioned about 18 things really across this episode so far, but I always give you one thing. And I always tell you, it's your responsibility, just like any event you go to, to pull one thing out of it, even if it sucks. So even if you thought, man, Rick, that episode sucked, I'm unsubscribed, fine, go for it. But I bet you that you can pull one thing out of today that's going to change your life, change your business, change your direction and where you're going for the rest of this year, 2020. You can rock this by pulling one thing out of this. I gave you like 27 things. Now it's up from 18, now it's 27. But here's one thing I want to leave you with today is that fears are real, they will always come up, but you can overcome them. And I gave you so many tips in this episode on specific fears to being an entrepreneur, to being a business owner and how to get past those. Just understand that you at some point in time will have these fears. But the one, the biggest one for me, maybe for you, is that fear of being broke again. That's the only one that you should never really overcome. It should always be there because that's gonna fuel you to keep moving forward and keep pressing on and to not be afraid of failing because you know that your failures, for every 10 failures that you have, you're gonna rock it and crush it with this one over here that's gonna propel you higher than you ever were before or ever could have imagined. Don't ever get over that fear of being broke again. It's so powerful to have in your life. If you enjoyed this, share it with 10 people. Go for it, whatever, just one. I don't care, but on iTunes, go there, rate and review it. Five stars would be amazing. Oh my gosh, I love talking to everybody. I love giving you just information that has helped me in my life, in my business, in my relationships so that it can help you too. Now get out there, crush it, kick it, boom. Hey, thanks for going all in with me today. Subscribe to the show so you get the new episodes when they come out every Monday. Rate and review the show if you're listening on iTunes. Follow me on social media at Mr. Rick Jordan. As always, you can find links and references to anything we've talked about in this episode in the show notes. And finally, share this episode with someone who you think might be able to level up their life by listening.
I am Rick Jordan, and I approve this message. It's a good episode, man. Dang, 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 dang. I love it.